0: All right, and we are live. Definitely. Chris, live. I am fired up today, man. I am... I, you got me super curious,
1: man. I, I don't even know where to begin.
0: I'm fired up. We got so, tons of stuff to talk about. Yes. Tons yes, to cover. Do. Tons so, of material.
1: Lots lots of that's been on my mind all day.
0: <laughs> so. All right, so this is episode 41 of BJJ and Bruce. Like, subscribe, share. We're on social media, Instagram... Uh, Facebook, you can choose an email, bgjambrews at gmail dot com. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or if you just prefer audio, you can get it on any one of your favorite audio platforms for podcasts, that's Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google if you're weird like Chris, and then there's other stuff like Stitcher and these other things that I'm not even familiar there's with, so but I see people. There's so many out there. Yeah, I, you know.
1: I mean, a competition breeds a better product, <laughs> but I, it also <laughs> makes it very difficult for customers or consumers to even begin. There's,
0: to, yeah, paralysis by – well, uh, not analysis, well, paralysis a, the of the options. Paradox of choice. Yeah, paradox of choice. That's the –
1: that this is coming from the the man who married a a woman who will just like stare at boxes of pasta trying to decide that which one is the best value for money also per like not only from uh like volume and mass but also like nutritional content and' like all right we we just gotta go like that's why it was great when when I introduced her to aldi which is a more european style limited choice type of uh grocery store because i mean you know you go to public's so you can shop forever for just fucking beans right but like aldi you got maybe two choices so the paradox of choice ladies and gentlemen you, you know save a little time be a little more efficient with things so uh you know just just download and subscribe
0: there uh, we go yeah man. leave a review if you feel so compelled so, all 14 of you. All there. 14. Of- <laughs> so, Chris. Sir. How do we want to talk about the subject of what do we want to say? Lineage? Getting promoted? What, what's the. I, I mean, I guess it's lineage. <laughs> it- <laughs> so, and I'll it, give you line- some context.
1: Li- lineage uh, do- indicates that there's a line. Yeah. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, so I and I wanted to do a little more investigating on this, but I was unable to. I mean, at, there's, at the I mean, there's nothing but, to investigate, you know. Like, you yeah, know, I, know, I know. So uh, it's going to be hard to talk about this without. Well, we're just going to talk about scenarios. Let's just talk about scenarios here, and a scenario that we were discussing earlier today while we we're both working and we were chatting with each other procrastinating from our actual jobs it's called the bathroom break yeah bathroom break in the professional world <laughs> in the professional <laughs> is this idea of
1: there's a lot of ideas behind it right there's yeah
0: so let me just let me just use an example from the business world and i don't know if this applies to your sector but as a software engineer i was definitely it definitely was fairly common knowledge that if you wanted to get a promotion, you're better and and a significant raise, you're better off accepting a position in another company. Okay. It's not, you know, getting promotions every year within your company would only take you so far. If you want to make those bigger jumps, you would go to another company and accept a, a more prestigious position getting
1: a, uh, going to another school to do your doctorate. Right. Or, or, I mean, isn't that sort of the, you don't get your doctorate where you get your undergrad.
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a, yeah. I mean, I I believe there's some truth to that as well, but I don't know if the, if, if the analogy is the same in that case, but regardless where I'm leading with this is a scenario in the jujitsu world where, you see a person get belted up at one school, switch schools, and get another belt rather quickly. And in particular, when this comes to black belts, you know, because, you know, a purple belt, a brown belt, but a black belt, to me, carries a little more weight. And I've been in my... Two plus years, which is not much. That's why I wanted to get your opinion on this. I always felt there is a way people went around, people, instructors went about promoting people, particularly to black. It was not something that they would, here's a snap promotion to black belt. It's a, you've put in time with this instructor, regardless of your skill level. And that instructor trusts you enough that he or she is going to sign off for you and say, "This is my black belt," and not that there's ownership or anything like that, but but I vouch for you, sort of thing. Yeah, I've, and I've, that's not yeah. something that can be developed, in my opinion, in a in short a year.
1: I, I mean. How much time are they spending on the mat, right? Like Paul kind of talks about. I that. understand it's like mat hours and. I and mean, and
0: basically, where, where this is coming from is we 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 know of some scenarios where this has kind of happened, and I have no I have no um, uh, negativity towards the people getting promoted. Props to them. I'm just kind of curious of what's going through the heads of the people promoting them. So I, I now, I now we, we can't the even Florida Chris Boo.
1: To do that. I mean, like we, we can't put ourselves in their position, right? Cause we're not the ones doing it and we're not the ones who have developed the relationship.
0: Well, I'm going to come out and say, I think it's bullshit. That, that's, that that's my reaction. I don't know if it's the right reaction. I, it, I could be way out of line, but my opinions, it's bullshit. And that's why I I texted you. I was like, what the fuck's going on here, man? Um, People are getting black belts like fucking loner geese. Those were my exact words. Yeah, they they definitely
1: were your exact words. I'm not sure (laughs) I agree with it. Um,
0: Well, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm the first one to admit that I'm not right. I'm just articulating what my emotional first reaction was to this. And again, nothing against the people getting promoted. It's just I'm sitting there and I'm like, Is my expectation off, you know, because I'm coming from a very limited sample size of experience, you know, I'm not a historian of jujitsu, you know, I haven't been in multiple schools where, you know, over a course of a long period of time where I've seen how different gym cultures, you know, go about promotions and what they, how they factor things in. I always go back to the the thing I go back to is the story with Paul because that's all I know. And Paul's story, and he's told me this and he's told other people. I think you're familiar with the story as well. He went from white to brown under Marcio, already being a grappler and an MA fighter prior mm-hmm. to putting on the gi, but Marcio was the guy that belted him up to brown. He was on the verge of getting his black opts to go to ATT in Coconut Creek and train under Laborio. And Laborio pretty quickly tells him up front, he's like, I'm not going to promote you to black belt for at least three years. And for Paul, he didn't care because he had an MA career and that was his focus. But when it came to the jiu-jitsu side of things, Laborio was very firm in saying, I, wanna, I don't care about, you. I mean, obviously he cares about your skills, but this is, I think, a character thing. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know what's going through Laborio's mind on this. Maybe he's just doing a, a a Brazilian paying my dues sort of thing. So it'd be interesting to get his perspective on that if we ever had a chance to speak to him. But my point is, is like, I thought an instructor wouldn't rush to give someone a black belt for the very reason that, to me, the black belt is less about the skill. Because if you're a badass on the mat, you're a badass on the mat. You don't need a belt to prove that you sure. know what I mean people just know that but the belt to me there's more of a tradition and a and a character and a vouching and these sort of ideas and concepts to me come into play and when someone gets promoted rather suddenly to black because they switch school not okay not because yeah, they're like schooled, that's an
1: yeah, interesting choice of work. and
0: they switch schools and yeah in, yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm thinking, what's going through the instructor's mind that's promoting that? What what compelled you to do that? Why wouldn't you wait and get to know the person more? And maybe they knew the person since childhood. I don't know I if think these people they grew up them together
1: from just prior acquaintance. Anyway, yeah.
0: this is like I said, I'm giving, I'm not claiming to be right. I'm certainly not trying to stir shit. I'm just telling you what my knee-jerk immediate reaction was, whether it was right or wrong. This is what my feelings were on it. Because I was like, damn, dude. And I think about JB. JB's walking around, and I still think he's a brown belt. And this guy is like a can't-miss black belt, in my opinion. And most people would agree. By most definitions he's a martial artist he he shows respect to the art and he's a badass on the mat as well and he knows tons of techniques like by most criterias out there i can think of he's going to pass the test Agreed. why has he not gotten a black belt well i don't think i don't well, nobody n- would Now n- n- i'm going yeah. a little farther but but he hasn't been in a school or adopted a coach that's going to promote him. And I think that's also by choice on JB's too. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. But,
1: I, I'm not But sure.
0: he doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like there's some disservice that if he shows up at a new gym, I don't think the instructor's like, Jesus Christ, man, excuse my language, but it's like, this guy needs a black belt now. This looks bad or something. It's like, no, the, 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 that doesn't, that that's not a factor. Anyway, I, I've ranted enough. I got, I told you I fired up. What are your thoughts? Um,
1: if there's one thing I've learned, over the course of my almost four decades of life now. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I, I tend to do a lot. It's not to get super stressed out about things that I don't have control over, um, especially when it comes, and I've learned this in the past six months or seven months since I've got my black belt, is just to not worry about it as much. You know, like I... As, as y'all know, I suffer from quite a bit of imposter syndrome and I'm very self deprecating, which you call me out on all the time. But, you know, everybody's got their own journey. Everybody makes their own set of friends and family along the way. And we can't speak for whatever it is that that instructor sees. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. It, it looks bad right like and i've actually uh, i had a conversation with wade rome when black box was uh had hired him a little bit to be their head instructor and uh sam and glenn were introducing him to me and me to him vice versa and he was like oh see i think i was a perfect yeah i was a the time and he's like oh where do you train i was like you know i'm i kind of flew it around like you know my, my home gym if you want to call it that is longwood but i'm here you know at black box also and i work with glenn and stuff and i also uh go to you know i I just have a lot of friends in the area and i'll I'll train in a lot of different places and this is before i kind of got back with paul and was training on on the regular there and he said something really interesting he's like well how do you expect to get better and i was like Hmm. I, I I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. You know, I was kind of running it up that at that point with nobody really overseeing my.
0: Who said this to you?
1: Wade Rome. Oh, okay. Wade. Did. Okay. So, formerly of ATT Rockledge or whatever the case is, and you know, and he kind of was very very sort of, like stern about it and stuff, and and Sam made sure to clarify, like, oh, you know kind of sticking up for me like, yeah, but he he kind of, he sticks within our family, you know, like they're all ATT gyms, they all know him well, they all trust him, he teaches classes and that sort of thing. So at the time, I mean being just an asshole purple belt, which you know, you're like a, you're like the fucking asshole teenager at that point, right? You think you know better and you know, that sort of thing. I didn't appreciate his statements as well, which I, I definitely do now. Um, it's uh, lo- lo- loyalty goes both ways, as you had kind of mentioned. And, like you said, like, I, I think I remember Paul saying something along the lines of, you know, a decent purple belt, you basically have the skill set that you're going to have. Right? Like, the knowledge base of a purple belt versus a black belt isn't that much different. The only main difference is, uh, you, is basically teaching and understanding, you know. But actual like knowledge probably isn't all that much different. And so, if if we kind of step back from based on that statement, what is the ultimate difference then? You know, and and you had just kind of touched upon it, and I've heard Paul explicitly say it is like character. You not you just don't be an asshole, right? And I, these are his words, and I'm not sure if we can speak for other instructors and stuff, but let's assume for a moment that other instructors have similar criteria you know what's to say that this person and other people who gym hop a lot don't haven't proven themselves and you know have gone above and beyond to prove that they have excellent character and excellent coaching skills and help grow the jujitsu community and, and help grow the gym, especially, right. You should give back. Like that's, that's what being a black belt ultimately is about. In my opinion, it's about service. It's about, you know, you've, you've put in the work for yourself, not to say that black belts are, are perfect by any means, but they've, they've put a lot of time in. And at this point, it's, it's, it's time to give back to the community and help bring up more black belts, right? Like that's, that's ultimately the job of a black belt is to create more black belts. Um,
0: <laughs> i mean l- l- i think uh, as i'm listening to you i think the broader more generic scenario is how in any martial art because you know this this happens in traditional martial arts any sort of martial art Typically has a ranking system, yep. oftentimes has a belt system, especially mm-hmm. if, it, if it has Japanese roots, but even something like Capoeira in Brazil, they have a belt system. When the criteria is never uniform, it's always at the instructor's discretion. How does the community as a whole, how does the jiu jitsu community as a whole in this case, how is it? because this has been around for this, this issue, this general issue I'm going to touch on has been around since the beginning of time. In my opinion, how do they reconcile the fact that you could have a black belt throwing belts around? In fact, I've even heard stories about, you know, people paying for their black belt sort of thing, but I, I'm going to dismiss that one. But it's this sort of thing is like you have, let's say there are 20 black belts in the world. Just for just for the sake of argument there are only twenty in the world one of them has quote lower standards than the other how do we how does how does the community reconcile that i I don't know man I mean like
1: that's a I just I, I, I think back to the situation and I'll have to contact Glenn about it I just I think have I told you about it when he and I were teaching at Vista Lakes and this dude came and said that he was a blue belt uh, under Kenny Florian, of all people, right? Like, season one Ultimate Fighter. Ken Flo. Yeah, and and he, the dude, was, he, he was not a blue belt. He was just, he was garbage, man. Like, he couldn't even do... Just like your basic arm bar drill, right? You know, just did the thing that every fucking like just garbage new brand new white belt does. They just kick their partner across the face instead of moving their, you know, just all that nonsense. And afterwards, Glenn and I actually we we, we talked to each other. We're like, man, like you know, if he if he signs up and he joins our gym, like this guy looks like shit. Like, what do we, we what do we do? Like, you know, I like our like. Hiroki, who was at that time like a fourteen-year-old white belt kid, I mean, he was he was he was kind of like the equivalent of like Nick, right? And you know, this this kid would wipe the fucking floor with this guy, and he was a grown man claiming to be a blue belt. So you should at least know, just have some fundamentals in place. So we went and we we talked to uh, Dean about it. Actually, he came by, and, and I think it's when he gave. Glenn is purple belt, and we chatted with him about it. he's like, you know what you honor his belt. If, if that's what he says he is and that's who get it, you know, who he says gave it to him, then you, you honor it because at the end of the day, he, he knows where he stands, you know, and then he, and if he happens to stay that belt a long time until he's ready for the next belt, then so be it. And if he, if he gets frustrated with himself and, and moves on to the gym because he's not getting belted up fast enough. That's his problem. Right. All you can do is honor his belt and stick to your standards. Um, so that's sort of my general attitude about that. I don't know whether that's, I'm just being super wishy washy about it or not, but that's the same can probably be said for a black belt, you know, like there, there is no, like you said, there's no unified or, or It would. Really would it. Would, it, be would
0: it bother you at some level if you're if you're standing up there at the front of class with the fellow black belts that are participating in class, and there's a guy standing next to you that you're like, this guy's not a black belt by a mile. I mean, would it bother you? Would just be like, whatever, dude. I don't care. I think it's like,
1: one of those things, right? And and I had actually I did. Was Paul... and Yeah, Paul was in the conversation where I had talked about one of those pay-for-black belts that I remember distinctly as a white belt. Um, And he was a brown belt, only did private lessons, and... Ashton Kutcher. Well, he was a, he's a brown belt, right? <laughs> Has, is he a black belt yet without sparring? No, he's a brown belt now. He's a brown belt, okay. But no sparring, by the way, which no I, I don't understand that. But it's a special style of jujitsu, right? Where they can... <laughs> Develop the skills of world champions while not having to spar. Um, everybody has their own journey, but but Paul remembers this guy distinctly, and and I do too. Even as a white belt, and even then, like I I've been in the sport for less than a year, you know, and I knew then people people know right people know where they where everybody like you you know you you'd kind of touch upon it you know, earlier this year where there's a general pecking order of things and people know, you don't have to say it. Right. So are we touching on the social hierarchy beyond social hierarchy? Right. This is actual hierarchy, hierarchy, okay. you know, pecking order hierarchy. But I mean, like everybody knows. And, and I mean, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's worth it to I, I'm curious on Paul's thoughts about things. You know, to me it's sort of a I understand moving gyms and whatnot if it's a logistical thing. But
0: I like know, I said, to me sort of insulting my my WTF moment. And again, I'll continue to qualify this by saying I'm not claiming to be reacting maturely or properly or of sound mind. I'm just telling you what my emotional guttural reaction is. My WTF is not directed at the person or persons being promoted. Right, right. It's, It's, what the fuck is the process that's going through the head of the instructor that's like, yeah i'm giving this black belt out you know what i mean or it, some it,
1: people just like to claim them for themselves right like regardless of how much work they've put in to the person and with the person you know uh hell i it would be hard to argue anybody wanting jb as their black belt right like that that's to be able to sit there i mean it's like the parent who <laughs> i mean not to I, and just being a parent now, I, I know how hard it is to distance yourself from your child's accomplishments, but it's, it's easy to, to say like, Oh, you know, to kind of like ride on their coattails, right? Like for people who are very successful and very skilled at what they do to say like, Oh, that's my black belt. That's probably pretty tempting on some people's behalf. Right.
0: I mean, that's why I haven't experienced that. So, i don't doubt that that sort of behavior exists among instructors where they 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 for lack of a better term brag about their black belts like look at this look at this look at the world champions
1: i've produced look at the number of black belts yeah. you know i mean like it's it's probably a selling point too does it water down the art
0: well it does if they're prematurely promoting them sure they do sure it does but I mean, the thing is is I feel like the professional camps are more guilty of holding people back so they can rack up titles at yeah, the ranks. That's
1: that's another story too, where like that's and some people that's their their qualifying standard too, is like you have to win a competition at your belt level, right? Because it's isn't that sort of the truest that's that's the ultimate test, right? Can you perform and beat people who are supposed to have been doing it? for the same amount of time as you at the same rank as you, right? So if you're beating them, then technically you've earned your way to the next belt level, which is
0: hard to disagree with also, right? I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is a situation where it's probably much, much, much to do about nothing because I don't expect anyone that I'm thinking about to give a shit or care, nor yeah. should they care about my opinion. And at the end of the day, it's sort of like that was my reaction. It definitely something that happens all over the world all the time in the jiu jitsu community and probably other competitive martial arts, you know. But I do feel like somehow loyalty is wrapped up into this as well. Yeah. That's because you're kind of like, what about the place you just left and the time you put in at that place? It's almost like you just are like, well, I'm switching programs and who cares what the standards are at the new place? For Yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of like, well, if at your original gym, you were getting belted up on this criteria and then you suddenly go to another gym and they're belting up on a totally different criteria, can you, Is like, is it fair to even say, oh, there's someone to blame in this situation? It just seems no, odd. No. It's just, it's, you know, I mean, there's no, yeah, like you said, there's nobody to
1: blame. I, I it's, it's very It does conjure up emotions,
0: though we cannot deny that.
1: No, no, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even mixed ones, right? All right.
0: We'll, we'll, have to, I find, we'll have. I find what I find a little bit more offline about that. Yeah, well, what I think I think the other thing, the thing that I <laughs> that I understand that I am potentially doing here is, I am a blue belt, <laughs> so I am a pissant in the in the hierarchy of the belts, and I am like. But you're allowed to have an opinion. I'm critiquing what a black belt's deciding to do in terms of promoting other people to black belt, (laughs) and how that's happening. So, uh, even in the context of jujitsu, I understand the irony of of like, who the fuck is this guy to even, you know, speak up in reality, you know, like I should just keep my mouth shut and train. I get that, you know. But this is a podcast. I said I was fired up. You were definitely fired up. (laughs) Oh hell yeah, man! I'm fucking fired up. Alright, so enough about that. I've probably alienated some people and they want to kick my ass now if they start to figure out, if they're trying to think like I mean, like, that's (laughs) Yeah Moving on Yes, (laughs) let's So, I'm going to uh, How's your back feeling, by the way Oh, so my back so for, for, for the your to to clue the audience in about here. yeah to clue the audience in, I lifted this morning, felt uh, my lower back uh, get a little strained, trained right afterwards, remained kind of loose, it stiffened up in the afternoon. <sighs> Chris was aware of this didn't stiffen up too bad. I went and trained it loosened up pretty well. We'll see how I feel tomorrow after eight hours of sleep or so that will be kind of the first test of. To what degree it actually stiffens up you know uh so we'll see you know good old deadlifts lower thoracic spine the lumbar lower lumbar gotta switch to those, the the hex bar man i find that stuff i find that messes with my back too does it really i yeah but i understand it, it's going to give you slightly better posture on the on the t- but yeah i mean it, Dude, anytime you're lifting a heavy load, yeah, your lower your lower back's gonna be under strain to some degree. Which again, I thought the irony is what I which I told you earlier, which is, you know, Paul posts these videos of him fucking deadlifting, <laughs> you know, significant amount of weight, and then for reps, <laughs> he, and, th- and then he's like, hey man, you you work out today? I was like, yeah, I was like, I did back. He's like, so did I. It's like, yeah man, my lower back, man, it just I put a lot of strain on it and stuff. And he he looks at me, he's like, yeah, I didn't. It's like I did back today. I did everything but lower back. I didn't.
1: <laughs> that's interesting. I was like, what? <laughs> that you guys refer to deadlift as a lower back exercise.
0: Well, it's going to put strain on the lower back. Yes. It's not specifically a lower back exercise. Okay. It better not be. Or else everyone's going to be exploding. Their exactly. Discs. I would
1: say like, that's where you get the, uh, that's, that's the no bueno. If you're exactly uh, hinging excessively at the, at the lower back and not the hips. So,
0: correct. So, I told you I had a, a surprise for you. What is the surprise? Well, the surprise is this, Chris. I broke down. And? I suffered from fear of missing out. I had severe FOMO. The marketing worked. The marketing Keenan got me. Oh, I know. I purchased the deal, the Lapel Encyclopedia. Yeah, because it would never be at this price ever again. I mean, inflation happens, right? So you you can
1: theoretically believe in that.
0: And it's but it's for all, all I know, content. he's gonna raise the next time he has a sale. I've seen this thing go on sale multiple times. It'll be a penny more next time. Right? He he didn't lie to you, so.
1: I know. No, or or what he can do is never be at this price
0: again. Right. Well, he he did make he did say it will never be this cheap ever again. Okay. All right. All right. So yeah, I do like I was aware of that wording. I was like, yeah, if he says it will never be this price again, he can just go up or down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm aware of that. So I have the the lapel encyclopedia icon on my phone purely got the app. online content
1: no no
0: hard copy at all correct no hard copy ah, at all
1: fuck that man
0: see like fully digital lifetime access continually updated his marketing's good man oh yeah i, yeah. I, I, I have to get it to I, I i purchased it i redirected to a confirmation page that had an embedded video in it that had Keenan welcoming me, me and thanking me and telling me where to start. And I was like, man, he's nailing that marketing. He's nailing the experience. And then I logged in and actually started browsing some of the content, which, again, I always was like, I'll buy it later when I actually want to explore lapel stuff. I don't, I'm not ready to I'm not ready I'm not I d- I'm not interested in dedicating time to lapel stuff right now there are other things I want to work on first but eventually I want to get to that and study that at le- whether I play that game or not or play facets of it I at least want to be aware of it and understand it you know at a deeper level so I was always going to go to Keenan as my reference for that because I do feel like he's uh, at the forefront of lapel innovations for the most part and this is at least a good base in terms of giving you exposure to the different positions but I'm still like I said wasn't planning to buy it now but because of that FOMO that fear of missing out because gosh darn it it's never going to be this cheap again I broke down and I put in my credit card information and I purchased it Chris are you experiencing buyer's remorse Or no, I'm not experiencing virus remorse. I'm just, I'm just begrudgingly admitting that Keenan Cornelius's marketing and advertising broke me down over the course of about a week with this international lapel day uh, bonanza, social media guerrilla marketing. Did you? How diligent
1: are you on social media? Of going through as you get an ad to either hide and you know never see ad from again
0: i only will do that on youtube i do that on on.
1: everything man like if it's something that i just know i'm never gonna have any use for or you know my phone or billions of uh smart devices are all listening in on my random conversations and they happen to pick up something and, and advertise some random bullshit like a COVID key or something, you know, like, so I don't have to touch shit.
0: Oh, I got that one too.
1: Oh, I get all kinds of shit. So many backpacks. Cause I, I love backpacks and water bottles for some reason, but you know, I, I make a conscious effort to go through. You like water, I don't even see you bring a water bottle to class. Yeah. Because I'm too busy drinking fucking 64 ounces at work or 96 ounces at work. So
0: why are they recommending water bottles? Are you browsing for water bottles I online? I don't in get time? it. I, it's, I mean Is Stacy looking at water bottles? No, Stacy's not. I'm I don't know how the hell Because if she's like looking for for that stuff on the same router that you connect to, then they can like basically say, Oh, these devices all connect, so maybe they all are the same user. It very well could be.
1: I I don't know. But either way, I just end up with a lot of random shit. Right now it happens to be Transformers toys because (laughs) guess what Connor's into right now? um so i get fucking amazon links and shit for rescue bot <laughs> in my, in my goddamn instagram feed which i make sure to go through and uh, and kill it so so that being said i think somewhere along the lines i've clicked off on keenan to reduce the amount of keenan i see so i only saw like one of those the other day about the lapel being 100 was 107 bucks i think it was right
0: no it was 140 was it?
1: yeah did you miss out on the 107 you poor sucker i know <laughs> <laughs> god darn it so where are you going to begin i mean like because you're you're a blue belt nearing purple belt you know probably december what are your thoughts on like on how you jump into it cuz you have a you have a pretty Progressive understanding of jujitsu, and you're a very good student of the game. Well, I well thank and you. And this is extremely all, your your nuanced. check is
0: in the mail. Your check is in the mail for those compliments. Thank you. So, I think right now it's it's been an interesting few weeks in terms of training for me because I'm continuing to work half guard, which has its ups and downs. Especially depending on who I roll with. But I'm definitely getting more knowledgeable about the actions and reactions that people do. And I definitely with the exception of Paul, sometimes I don't feel like people are blowing through my guard. Although Paul fucking blew through my half guard. Yeah, he just like cartwheels and over
1: you, right? Like it's
0: No, no, no. I mean he'll he'll get he'll get into half guard and then he'll just blow right through it. And there's a grip he does that I, I you know, I, I need to, I need to respect that grip a little more. Anyway, th- that that's a side point. But this is kind of where I am with it, right? And I need to make an effort. I forgot tonight, and I'm kind of pissed about it. That I actually keep forgetting to to experiment with uh, half butterfly mm. and inserting the butterfly hook from half guard because I think that will. Give a little another look that will help what I'm trying to do out, especially since I like to play single leg X mm-hmm. and that lends itself to getting into single leg X. Yes, so does. I have been enjoying that. So that's been my primary thing. I, for the most part, unless the person is insistent on pulling guard themselves, I'm going to pull guard, I'm going to go to half guard, I'm going to work from there and mess around with stuff. Now, in addition to that, my auxiliary stuff that I've been playing with has been related to some Globetrotter videos that I came across from uh, this recent camp in Iceland that I did not attend. I don't think any American could attend because I don't think they're going to let any American yeah. go to the country well, at this we, point.
1: America is the Florida of the world, aren't we? Correct.
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, if Canada won't, won't accept this, then you know it's really <laughs> bad. So, anyway, there... Uh, in particular, there was one video that I really liked, but both by the same guy. This this German Valley Tudo black belt, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu purple belt. Interesting.
1: Valley he seems to be primar-
0: black belt. He seems to be primarily a nogi guy. Is so he I a Vale Tudo or? Valid? Oh, Luta Livre. You're right. Thank you. Yeah, so like I, I I'm think- not sure that there's a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. L- Luta Livre. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Which is basically up, catch wrestling.
1: but
0: Correct. Anyway, he did a seminar on the claw ride. The what? The claw ride. So the claw ride, I found out, is actually a term from wrestling, or at least some wrestlers will use that term. And it is a grip where, and he explains it from turtle. It's Typically, it's a way to attack turtle. It's where imagine a person in turtle. You're attacking the person in turtle. You're on the side. You're not uh north south with them. You're covering yeah, You don't your have hip. like a front headlock. Correct. You're not you're not attacking a front headlock. You've got a tight waist with the arm closest to the turtle opponent, so you're kind of the, cupping your their waist. Near side arm. Their hip. Yeah, your near side arm is cupping their far hip. We gotta, we gotta you're we not going in too deep. Consistent language here. Yeah, you're not going in too deep because you don't want to risk them trapping that and, and rolling you. So near side arm cupping the far side hip and your, I would say outside arm, but you would say far side? Far side arm, yeah. Far side arm is reaching in deep under your opponent's near armpit. Yes. And basically going over their lat or cupping their neck cupping their he neck, was yeah. showing it. he was showing uh, the lat I've seen wrestlers typically go around the neck and you almost are hiding your shoulder from view. Your cheek or your ear is on his shoulder yes on his near side shoulder and you're cupping deep almost like you're trying to do a daris, but with the Doris, you're obviously attacking with your other arm. So, but the same idea, if you attack a dars with the near side arm, you're going all the way through same idea, but using the far side arm and you're cupping the far side trap of your opponent. And you're almost trying to, uh, instead of using your fingers, you're trying to use your whole wrist to cup it. So, So that's called the claw ride. Now your, your near side knee is touching the elbow of your near side arm. That's cupping the waist. So if, if I've used my terminology right and people can follow my language, they should have a picture in their how head of, would you of bring, what I'm describing. I'm not sure how.
1: If I have a tight waist with my near side arm, let's say I have my right arm reaching to the far side, which would be there the right side of their waist.
0: So you're on the left side of the guy. Correct. So you're on their you're left on side. Their left yeah. side. How so your I right bring hip my, is touching. How you. would I bring my right knee to touch my right elbow? because your right elbow is basically around his tailbone if not closer to the near side hip okay so in essence you're just bringing your oh i see what you're saying your, your, okay you're you're using your, so if you think about you know defense, so not so much as like so let me just talk about a related a related topic when people like to attack the back if you break their posture so let's say we're in the same position and I'm not doing this. I've just got the the near side uh, grip on the hip of the opponent. That's it. My 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 far side arm is free, not doing anything. I pull to break my opponent down to their hip, to their to their near side hip. Yes. Right. You pull them towards you, basically. I pull them towards me, right? And then a lot of people, and I've seen Paul teach If you want to talk about taking the back and inserting your hook what you first do is you actually drape your near side leg and thigh across kind of their hips so as they returtle they pull you up yes and then you can insert your far side leg into the near side hook position right okay same idea that's how it feels is you're kind of like hmm. resting your inner thigh knee Kind of across their lower back, tailbone area. Okay. Okay. So, from that position, you can do a lot of cool things in terms of back takes. But it's a it's it's a it's a different control point for attacking the turtle. I find that I found that interesting, and I've been messing with that when I have opportunities to attack the turtle. So that's my auxiliary stuff. And then there's another control position from side control that he taught in another seminar that I'm also experimenting with that in a way kind of blends into this occasionally but not so much but it does blend in with what I kind of do when I pass the side and it is I don't even know how to describe it because it's not in our, in our vernacular but it would be if you start in position three Mm-hmm. Of side control. Good meaning double I'm covering position. Double unders, covering their hips and their head with a cross face. I tripod look towards rotate and look towards my opponent's head and drive my shoulder the one that was co- the, the of the side that my hand was covering the hip. I drive my shoulder into their hip pocket. So almost if we were to rot if we were to take the ground away and I were to rotate, they would almost be resting on my shoulder in a carry like if I were just carrying them on my shoulders mm-hmm. that's kind of how it would look like. And now I use not my not my hand, but I use my uh, my contracted arm, so it's going to be kind of my upper arm and elbow, which is going to be bent and facing my hand facing toward their head to block their thigh from regarding okay. So I'm, I'm, my back is, is facing their feet and my chest is facing their head and I'm driving my shoulder into their pocket and my, my one arm is covering their hips using my actual arm, not my hand. And my other arm is free. And he displayed that as a control position as, and as a good mechanism to get into our position four or reverse case of Katami. I have found a lot of success with this, and I've also found success with this in situations where before I had issues with frames because this kind of takes away frames because you're a little too far away, but even people with long arms that can create pressure on me and make things uncomfortable, because I'm facing them, I can immediately drop my legs and shins and actually get into shin on arm situations or even crucifix situations.
1: Hmm.
0: So you follow me? Yeah. So those are the things that I'm working on. And, and I went on this tangent because you said, well, when is the lapel stuff going to come into play? And what would I first start with? I believe that once I feel comfortable with half guard, which God knows when I would, but when I'm comfortable enough with it or and or fed up with it and want to do something different, I will probably start exploring lapel guards and start annoying everybody I train with because I'm going to start wrapping shit everywhere. And I'm going to go through the whole thing. Each unit, he's divided up into chapters. There are about 13 or 14 chapters, but there are only, I'd say, about five or six that are dedicated towards the lapel guards. His I've already gone through, just cursorily last night, the classic worm guard and the classic worm guard seems to be something that he even talks about more for posterior sake. It's something that good to know conceptually, but it's not a position he plays as much anymore. He ends up playing what he calls reverse della worm a lot, and that seems to be the in vogue position. But that's probably not the position I'll start with. I I I kind of like will probably dabble with the lapel lasso guard because i do play lapel guard or not lapel i play lasso guard sometimes and to just play it with the lapel seems like an interesting extension of what i already kind of know so i can at least maybe work with that a little more easily and then i'll probably get into actual you know a traditional lasso guard where not a lasso a traditional lapel guard where you're now passing this thing under people's legs and And doing that sort of thing. He's got new stuff on. He calls platinum passing. Which is I think his take on. Which is not anything fancy. It's just he put a fancy name to it. It's basically just using the lapel. And hooking a body part. Typically a leg or a foot. And using that to pass. You know. So we'll see. I definitely want to develop a longer range guard. I don't know if ethically. I'll be able to get over the what I feel about lapel guards because I think they're kind of cheap but I think they're necessary because they're within the rules so you have to know about them which is goes into my longer thing about that's why I've been enjoying Nogi more because I feel like you don't have that cheapness in Nogi. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that's my long roundabout answer. Hmm. What's your experience with lapel guard? Has it only been like going against a guy like Zach who From my understanding, the only person that actually does lapel guard of any kind?
1: Um, Mark does it a lot. I don't think he's... I think he's, like, experimenting with it. I don't think he Mm -hmm. necessarily has a system in place. Because usually it'll just be something he does. And then, like, it's... (laughs) Have you seen that video of the guy who literally just uses the lapel and, like, basically ties up a dude's wrist? And he's just, the guy who has his wrist tied up, who's in the other guy's guard, you know, with the bell wrapped around his wrist and just immobilizing it, he can't, the guy's not attacking the that arm that's trapped, he's not doing it, he's not trying to sweep, but at the same time, the guy who's, you know, top guard position can't pass either, so, you know, because he has literally just one of his arms immobilized, so it's like, this, got him, like, I got you, you know, and and just his face is just like, uh, like, and he's just—you can tell for a, a good two minutes that he's just annoyed, right? Like, and that's—that's that's been my experience with it. Um, I can't say he didn't even
0: admit what's that? He didn't even admit. Sorry to interrupt, but Keenan already uh, admits when talking about lapel lasso, he thought it was just a stalling position, and then he discovered some of techniques and attacks that made him change his mind but in his mind because he's he's coming from a competitive background stalling is something oh it's strategic you get penalized on so he wants guards that are attacking and dynamic even if they are demoralizing to your opponent and shutting down their movement it's not going to be treated as a stalling position now that's how he's framing it i you know we'll see what it feels like in practice but what's what was crazy is I got exposed to like the names of two submissions that I I didn't know ex- I kind of I had heard of one before, but I hadn't seen what it actually looked like and it's the Jesus man, I actually already forgot one. one's the tariq Pilata and then there was another type of so, Tariq so yeah tariq different tariq Plata. I'm familiar. I I've, I've never actually seen it in action either. Yeah, and then there was another palata, something palata. What, go-go palata maybe? No, 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 no. But no, this is also an arm lock. Like a go-go... It's a and, choke. And a go-go and a mono palata are both chokes, I believe. This is... Uh, or a strangle, rather. These, yeah, good call. Uh, these are both uh, joint locks on the shoulder. And... It's just, it, you know, it was kind of interesting to see that. Where they're basically trapping the arm one way was trapping the arm almost in like a key lock but instead of doing a Kimura you're, the first half of the grip is with your arm and the second half is actually with grab your cup, your thigh but you could almost see yourself doing a Kimura if you decided to incorporate your other arm instead and I believe that's the Ter- Tariq Palada or Tariqa Palada or whatever the heck it's called anyway it is definitely going to expose me to some new school jujitsu and some new school terminology, which is going to be worthwhile. And Keenan does a good job explaining stuff, but I definitely articulate. am going to have to feel. You know, I, the one thing I've felt about half guard is that what I've studied with half guard from instructionals.
1: Versus they do a pretty good do. job
0: of describing the reality of the situation. Yeah. Whereas so far with Keenan, um, and I could be I, I could be missing a lot of it right away because I'm such a noob at it, but the times I've experimented with it, it seems like there's a little more, let's just say, invisible jujitsu in the middle that he might not talk about, or at least I haven't seen him talk about yet. Maybe I miss a chapter because I know there's some principles chapters, so maybe I need to go over the general principles chapters and... Then he'll cover all those things where it's like, I'll try something and then something really bad will happen where I'm like, Well, this would happen if the guy doesn't fully resist, but now they're fully resisting in a live role and stuff's going off the rails. Whereas with half guard, things don't go off the rails as much. It's it's a little more controlled. And maybe that's just the dynamic the the characteristics of the position itself. You know what I mean? Right. And how you guys are interlocked. But it might also have to do with the fact that Half guard is a far more mature and developed guard that has had way more man hours thrown at it from all these different people trying and refining it and, and, and finding furthermore. Half
1: guard work. is a more universal guard, too, right? Like, because you can do there's a lot of carryover between let's break it down a little bit further, even between gi, no gi, and MMA for that matter, right? Whereas lapel is just it's there's going to be zero carryover to mma and nogi so
0: gi jujitsu baby
1: that's so it the likelihood of you even encountering that if you're splitting your time between gi and nogi is, is essentially 50 percent, right and then if you split it up even further how much do you are you gonna be able to to be able to funnel to to lapel stuff you know, so that's that's why I feel as though it's a, an extremely niche thing that Keenan has has done an extremely good job of, of finding that niche and exploiting it. Um, it it's I, I'm curious as to, to see where this goes to, you know, because I, I've experienced it a, a little bit, and it's been not fun to deal with it's just i mean it's been extremely annoying and that's with somebody who doesn't even use the system so we'll we'll see i'm i'm i'll be happy to uh when i'm back on the mats there kind of help you out and play before and after class with it so, oh yeah you know.
0: like i said the the people are going to avoid rolling with me if i'm good at it they'll avoid rolling if i'm not will everyone will roll with me <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, I I have come to, like, I'm of the opinion when people say, well, do half guard because what you do in, in no gi and gi, it's the same thing. And I, I really disagree with that. Like, I, I think when you wear the gi, regardless of what game you play, it's going to be a different experience between gi and no gi. And who cares if you're wrapping lapels around people's arms. It's just the way people... I find playing half guard in no-gi right now significantly easier than in gi. Because in gi, there are so many ways people can grab and attach themselves to me. Grabbing lapels, grabbing sleeves. That I don't have to worry about in no-gi. And that's going to happen in any position. Whether you're playing butterfly. Paul says... Paul... Paul feels. Paul says, "I have no problem passing butterfly guard in gi. In no gi, will if a guy is good, then i I'm going to have to be more, a way more careful. So, just being able to grab gi grips, whatever they are, lapel or not, are going to force you to play vastly not significantly different games to me in order to achieve the same level of excess at both levels." You know, if you're if you're Gordon Ryan, you're going to smash me anyway, doing, you know, basically whatever you want. You're going to grapple in the gi and wreck me. Absolutely. But him and Keenan both agree that if they were to go in gi, now equally skilled guys, Keenan's is going to wrap him up left, you know, oh, and sure. just own him yeah. in the gi. You know what I mean? Because he knows the grip. So I think you. You. Like I said, I, I something, part of me thinks the lapel system that Keenan plays is almost like ludicrous. But at the same time, you can't draw the line and say this lapel grip or this grip is ludicrous and these other ones are not. The minute you wear a gi, you can suddenly start grabbing things and using it as an instrument. And I'll, this is the crazy thing. The biggest reason I I might consider using lapel guard as my primary let's say distance guard because i you know i you know half guard is something that's going to happen when people get closer or they pass maybe my first layer of guard what's appealing about lapel guard to me is it's less it appears to be less damaging and tiring on my fingers than playing let's say spider guard or lasso guard oh sure and Keenan's even said that like once you start grabbing the lapel, that's a totally different grip where you're wrapping your entire fingers and you're not getting your fingers violently well, ripped off. You're also
1: reinforcing grips. your grip with your limbs or their limbs, right? So Correct. any major traumatic sort of like grip breaks that somebody's going to do, your your thigh or shin or ankle or their sh- you know whatever limb is going to be what's essentially the shock absorber, right? So I can I can definitely see that. Um, cool. That's, I,
0: not say I, I'm not a little jealous. Um, when I get to it, I am looking forward to introducing those looks into the gym because at the very least, I think it's going to be a benefit for people to get better at defending it. Even if I'm not doing that good of a job, at least the ideas get out there so you don't have a situation where some new guy shows up from another gym that plays lapel guard and wrecks the entire gym because no one's ever seen it. Right. right, right. You know what I mean? So I think leg locks had that uh, effect a few years ago, definitely less so now in the jiu-jitsu community and different gyms because they're more prevalent, but certainly a few years ago. If you were like if you knew leg entanglements, you could probably go into a lot of gyms and fuck up most people just because there's an absence of that knowledge out there. So lapel is, is a gap, is a hole that I think everyone should be aware of in the Gee game because it it has been shown to be effective. Oh, incredibly effective. So, and here's the kicker. I, I, you know what? I'll give you a an indirect way. I was convinced I needed to get this. And it's not from Keenan. Maybe it was the algorithms at play, but to me it was by sheer chance. I subscribed to the Atos YouTube channel. Mm. And they put out a lot of quality content, in my opinion. I think Galvao is a very good instructor and very knowledgeable, especially in the gi. And it just so happened that I was recommended A... Competition rolling, or excuse me, competition prep with Andre Galvao and Ebert Santos, and this is the Herb, guy Herb, that was supposed to face Herbert. Herb, 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 Herb. yeah, Herb, yeah, the the dude. And he was who, like, supposed to face. And punches people. He was supposed to. He was supposed to uh, have a match with Gordon Ryan recently. Gordon pulled out because he contracted COVID. As did Gor- uh, as did uh, is that Craig who we are
1: supposed to face at that. Who,
0: yeah, who's oh, number one? Know, really, in Nogi though. Okay, so I would have given I would have oh, given sure. it to Gordon I mean, most likely. Anyway, they're grappling. Andre Galval attributes upon attributes, and I'm and Santos is a big strong dude too. You know, lanky, but. I'm, going, I'm watching this footage. I, I'm, I tune in. I was like, ooh, let's see what this looks like. How, how are they rolling? And I expect these guys to be either on their feet, just fucking grabbing lapels and shucking them down. Like, you know, when Adolfo Rivera, like, boom, they take a step back and they just start, yeah. like, just, like, trying to slam their head through the mat sort of thing. Or... Like, a, like the snap down in a gi, basically. Yeah, snap down, snap down. Or pressure past heaven what do I see Galval playing lapel guard really and all he's doing is passing that lapel back and forth between his hands how can I get this under the guy's leg he gets out of it I got to get that lapel back under and then maybe two or three times Santos like is close to passing the guard there's a mad scramble some hips kind of like move and gyrate and then he's back into guard Oh, let me. Where's that lapel? Grab that lapel. Feed it out. Feed it back in. Reverse delahiva lapel. Blah blah blah. And I'll be damned if if by the end of it, Galvao managed to secure a lapel sweep, secure top position, and control. And I'm sitting there, Andre Galvao. This monster. Is fishing for lapels and feeding them and doing this bullshit and i say that with with love but i'm like what the fuck (laughs) so i saw that and i was like if gal val's doing it i need to be aware of this shit (laughs) so just to clarify for people who
1: don't know it just occurred to me we we keep on using lapel guard. I'm not sure a lot of people even understand what that means. I mean, if you're in jiu-jitsu, you do, right? Like, it just basically means anywhere. It's no, you have a good of point. The it, it collar,
0: illuminate but, the audience. You know, so for those of you who are like, what are they talking about?
1: Alan. I'll just throw it out there. Our one Canadian listener. Um, lapel is, by definition, is the entire length of the collar from one side of your uh, your lapel to the other side. So from all the way down to the, you know, where the, the, I guess the hips or the waist of the, the jacket is, but oftentimes you, people will say collar when you're trying to do a collar choke or strangle, when you're using that in sp- uh, particular to either break posture or to start working your strangles and, and, and that sort of thing, or, or to secure a good tight head control for takedowns. But lapel is—I want to say—it's distinctly Keenan who didn't necessarily invent it. I don't know who first started using it, but definitely popularized.
0: Oh, he doesn't it. claim to be the inventor, but of but yeah, it.
1: he he systemized it, popularized it, and definitely utilized it in competition. You know, he he
0: and it. and and he he started giving names to different positions and and systems. You know, he he called. You know, he's got reverse della worm. Ringworm, worm guard, you know, like he's he's, like much like Tenth Planet, he's come up with catchy names. And it's
1: gripping anywhere that's not the collar. One would one could probably call it like the tail of the lapel towards the bottom or the, the hips, yeah. basically. So you're you're utilizing you're controlling the person's posture
0: and rotation
1: by yeah, and, and hips by way of that by wrapping that around and across various parts of your own body and their body to immobilize. Yeah,
0: and, and just as a, as an even simpler analogy for people that aren't that don't can't picture a, a kimono or a gi in their mind and know when we say what that lapel is that runs from one end to the other. Imagine you just had a rope that you just was drape fairly long and it was draped around your neck over your shoulders and came to a little below your hips. And that is, of course, it won't slide off. It's somehow record. attached to. It's somehow attached to, to your jacket, and I'm grabbing an end of that rope, and now I'm I'm weaving it under maybe my leg, around your leg, and basically pulling you down and twisting you somewhat, while anchoring it to my body somehow, and that's that's kind of the basic mechanism of of what Keenan's lapel guards are, is is pulling on that end. And inserting your leg somewhere in there, or wrapping it around something, and there are a lot of positions where you, you know, things do get wrapped up, which again makes me call it kind of bullshitty because, just that's just how I feel about it, you know. But again, it's within the rules, exactly. So, so. and he's made the he's made the case that hey, man, in the street, this would work. People wear jackets, <laughs> <laughs> so. He's done. He's done jujitsu and clothing, and, and and tried doing stuff like that. Which I still like what to I found it. out from him, which was illegal, which I didn't know, was you can't do double lasso in IBJJF. That's an illegal position. You'll be disqualified. So if I do a lasso on both sides while grabbing the arms, really, that's illegal because it's considered an excessive stall position. Yeah, I would say
1: like it's it definitely immobilizes their upper body. I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of like, what can you really do with that? Unless you're... Willing well, I don't think to, you can uh, do anything, yeah. but... but Yeah, I can but, I can yeah. see why that would be... But the best thing is like banning that position is... Doesn't that stifle the potential creativity for people to work on systems off of that? Or does it have 100%. to be locked on for a certain amount of time before they're like, okay, like yellow card or, you know, half point deduction or whatever the case is.
0: That I don't know, but, but can, Keenan was like, I'm in like, agreement. I think it's a good rule because this is this heavily stalling position. You can't really do anything. Yeah, I can, I can see. But no one's necessarily explored it because, because it's, they just deemed it illegal. Yeah, so that's where it's like, it's a catch 22, right? I mean, 50-50 was a stalling position for a long time but I feel like recently people are comfortable with it in, in the, in the gi, obviously in no gi, when you can do foot locks and heel hooks, that completely changes what 50, 50 is, but 50, 50 in the gi, when you cannot do heel hooks, so you don't have to worry about heel exposure so much was considered a, a stalling position and not frowned. Well, in a way frowned upon as a way, you know, it's kind of a cheap way to just kind of stall and matches, but have you heard? Um, I Ryan like
1: Hall's opinion about fifty-fifty, how it might be the best uh, self-defense, self-defense position? In yeah. It's yeah. interesting, but I don't necessarily agree with it. But the the best.
0: Well, his approach. So that's another rabbit hole that I have yet to explore, but I will explore. And actually, his he has a half guard instructional series that I that I might peek at at some point. We'll see, but. Aside from that, both him and Lachlan Giles seem to release instructionals on the same thing, and they have completely different takes on it because Lachlan's approaching it from a jujitsu point of view and Ryan Hall approaches it from an MMA point of view. So they have similar or identical techniques in some ways, but then they diverge a lot because they're... their criteria, their thought logic, their 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 logic is a little different, you know. So I know when it comes to the fifty fifty instructionals, they diverge significantly. Even though there are a lot of things that are in common and identical techniques, especially for some attacks from backside fifty fifty, which was all the rage recently because of Lachlan's success at ADCC and and Ryan Hall's success getting. BJ Penn, they were both backside entries and that's kind of new or at least not widespread. I guess the Meow Brothers were doing this to get into 50-50 back in the day in Gi, but no one was really paying attention to the Meow Brothers. So apparently, on a side note, apparently the Meow Brothers are nasty motherfuckers that innovate the hell out of the Gi and Jiu-Jitsu in general. Like They're really like crazy like wide range of techniques. This is just word of mouth from other noteworthy jiu-jitsu practitioners. So that was just a divergent. But Lachlan and Lachlan in particular credits the Meow Brothers for giving him, not explicitly, but him seeing them do stuff. Inspiration. Getting ideas from that. Exactly inspiring. So I definitely want to compare and contrast the two fifty-fifty 50-50 instructionals between Lachlan and and Ryan Hall, but that's going to be a a lengthy endeavor because they're both, I think, like eight hours oh. plus or six to eight hours, you know. So, it's significant. And right now, I'm not that interested in going down the leg lot rabbit hole and improving that part of my game. Right now, I'm I'm interested in in doing some other stuff first. Half guard, shoring up my. Man. Half guard, lapel, and just dude doing the fundamentals better, man. You know. Paul doesn't kick my ass because he's doing new school shit. He kicks my ass because he does he does the fundamentals curriculum. Hodger Gracie won all his titles because he did the fundamentals curriculum. And he was also I know he had attributes. You always he's, he's also out. like but six ten. Like two forty. <laughs> now you're <later>. exaggerating. <laughs> but but the point being is that I think I do want to believe right now my mindset is I want to believe that fundamental jiu-jitsu will take you the farthest and these other things are you know the quote new school stuff are just zesty flavorful condiments you add to your game afterwards but the actual meal that you're game are good fundamentals, good systems around the fundamentals and the basic positions that have been around from, because your, those you know.
1: are universal, right? Those are, they're universal across the, the spectrum of Giju Jitsu, no and MMA for the most part. Where the, the razzle dazzle, yeah. as we discussed previously, that's that comes into play when you're gaming the system, right?
0: So, no- or you're narrowing the rule set or scenario.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true too. And you're not necessarily competing. Um, so that's why, yeah. There's it's that's why jujitsu is awesome. <laughs> I, mean, like, I know, it's, man. It's, that's, and that's where I I need to get back on the mats. Right? Like I'm I'm getting pretty bored just. Hitting that bag.
0: Hey man, get some mats in your garage. I'll come over and we can do shit.
1: I I don't think that's far out of the realm of possibility for me to do.
0: Yeah, man. Garage Jiu Jitsu with Chris Vu it's Wu. the and a select few yeah, it's, of pre screen grapplers whose temperatures I are. Mean, temperature, I mean your, your temperatures in automatically
1: gym. be high considering you're in the garage.
0: Which well, never, prior never, prior to entering the true, garage.
1: True. Out of your air conditioned vehicle. Yeah. I, I I need to look into that, but it's, um, I, re- I really miss Jiu Jitsu.
0: <laughs> Dude, Jiu Jitsu is awesome. And I, you know, I, I don't know how much people really care. I mean, maybe a lot of people tuned out when I started going over all these details of the various things I'm practicing, but I definitely view like Jiu Jitsu is going to college again and taking courses in different things. And, it's like, it's, it's like you're in a major where there are all these classes that interest you, but you can only fit so many into your schedule any given semester. And that's what I feel like with jiu-jitsu right now. There are a lot of different directions I want to go, but I know that there's only so much mental capacity I have to balance the stuff in my head. And I know that can vary from grappler to grappler, but I think I've kind of keyed in on what I can handle. I know Farah Sahabi said a few things that kind of made sense to me. He's like if you're grappling and you're not confused at all, you're not trying enough things out. If you're too if you feel paralyzed and don't know what to do, you might be overwhelming yourself with too many techniques at the same time. So I think that's a good way as a to kind of uh, evaluate where you are because I do think especially you know the farther along you get I think the more it becomes self discovery and self pursuit in terms of which directions you want to study and develop and, and add and even if it's stuff you don't add to your game it's still stuff you're interested in but it's stuff that's that you should at. at least become familiar with
1: correct like, you know, that, that's ultimately correct. it like what for example right now we've, we've glossed over lapel guard we've glossed over claw ride what's the actual curriculum right now Like, what is is everybody working on?
0: So, I think think the gyms suffered a little bit because of COVID in that respect. I think that's the one drawback to having mixed classes. I've personally enjoyed the mixed classes. I like having everyone on the mat. But I do think it's probably made life harder for our white belts. Because I think having a curriculum that limits the amount of content that's that's being shared with students, you know, that it's trickling it out instead of overwhelming it with technique after technique after technique is what um, allows a fundamentals curriculum to develop students faster. So let me restate that. I don't know if, if I followed my train of thought well enough there, but my point is, is the fact that we're all mixed together, we're getting a higher variety of techniques than we normally, than we would if we had separate classes and for upper belts, that's fine because everything they've, everything we're going over we've probably seen. So if anything, it's, oh, here's a nuance to a technique I already know or here's Paul's tweaked how he's teaching it. But it's something I already know. Whereas for the white belts, it's all new. And if you're getting a bunch of new stuff every month, if you're getting 20 techniques in a month instead of, let's say, 10, it's going to be overwhelming and they're probably going to perform a lot less unless they're a real savant and they can grasp everything super quickly so we've covered a lot of different things and currently what I can piece together between the random lessons that will get thrown out there on a a daily basis in for the colored belts we're working on passing half guard not half guard uh, spider guard We're we're working on different ways to pass spider guard And for the white belts, they're doing a mixture of armbar escape, triangle escape, and some close guard stuff. But again, it's very um, improvised slash on the fly, depending on who's teaching, teaching, the student body there, because there's a difference between having people that have no stripes or one stripe and... Someone like Joey, who's on the cusp of getting his blue belt. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So it's definitely something there. For me, I probably, I mean, I think I I have take, you know, I probably am getting a little less out of it. But at the same time, I have more than enough personal things that I'm working on that I still feel like I'm improving. The last time we had a really structured curriculum was when we did path. That was the last time and then COVID hit we spent a month on, on deep path in in the colored belt curriculum, let's say intermediate advanced class and I thought everyone got better at it and I think that was really because we spent a month on it Yeah, and we got to really explore it so that's what I like, I don't know if that's the best, I don't know if that's what other students like but that's what I think is cool when you deep dive into something for a month and then you go on to another topic and that means you're going to cover 12 things in a year but you're going to cover them in depth and i think 12 things in a year especially if you're talking about a guard system or a passing system those are significant upgrades to your game if you haven't seen them before you know so that's uh that's where we are with the curriculum right now that's what we're studying right now and that's some unsolicited commentary on how I think it compares to what we've done in the past. Like you said, it's a very unique situation right now, too. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. So, what are you contemplating working on when you come back? What do you think is the first thing you're going to work on when you come back? Or do you not have like explicit goals when you when you train? I don't. I, I. I just. You suck. I don't. I mean, like honestly, like
1: I just sort of if
0: whatever it is you're right about is, being alive, man, aliveness, what, being in the moment.
1: Yeah, and my goal as a student, and my goal now as a teacher, is to to do the best I can for whatever it is that we're supposed to be working on. You know, that's that's my responsibility as an. Instructor.
0: I think I think you've, especially since getting your black belt, but even prior to that. I feel like you're very generous, almost too much so, in my opinion, in terms of wanting to make sure everyone else that you can help, that's a lower rank, gets the lesson. And I feel like you've prioritized that and the growth of everyone else's jujitsu and spreading the art over you exploring a new thing. Like I've heard Steve Win say, like. I just started playing close guard. I feel like I need to get better at close guard. So I started playing that. I've never really heard you make a comment like that. Like, oh, I am going to play spider guard now. Or I'm going to play with this. I want to get better at this. So I'm going to play with this for the month. Because you've always been either running a class or pulling yourself out to help someone else or rolling with uh, lower belts and letting them work. Because you working a guard might not be the best thing for that student's role so to speak Yeah. if you want to work with them you know like especially for a lapel guard right hey new white belt let's roll and and i'm gonna work lapel guard guard with
1: you make a student get frustrated and quit that would probably be it right
0: yeah um yeah
1: i mean there's a lot of truth to what you just said um I still, I mean, like, it's something I've always been wanting to work on more is just my guard passing, you know, like, if I want to roll and not work on something, then I'll, you know, when we're starting from our knees, I'm not just going to sit back. (laughs) Uh, But otherwise, it's, yeah, it's pretty much what you said, like, I just, I just want everybody to have a good time on the mat, right? So I don't come with specific goals in mind other than, you know, like when the Danaher stuff was out and new, a lot of that was kind of had that. I mean, it's it just, it's so recent that I, I was a fairly higher belt by that point. So it's not something that I really had the opportunity to funnel and whatnot.
0: I need to finish those, man. I think I want to do the Kimura oh, one. There's next. so
1: many, man. It's... Between his and Gordon's now, there there's just too much content, right? Like it's it's definitely the paradox of choice because there's because there's so many an infinite number of positions and situations in Jiu Jitsu, right? So where do you even begin?
0: Well that's what yeah. I'm saying. There's so there's many classes snowman. that you wanna take, but there's only so much time. And so you have to figure out, you know, what that class schedule is gonna be, what what class are you gonna enroll with, what instruction? And how are you deep going you wanna go,
1: right? Because there are levels, you know let's just look at something like calculus. There's like Calc one, Calc two, Calc three. Sure.
0: So. And for majors, they might only require you to take Calc one. Whereas others will require you to take Calc three. Because that's just the idea of university, right? Is to familiarize
1: you, you know, because when you receive your doctorate, what does PhD stand for? It's a doctor of philosophy, right? And what is philosophy is
0: it's the love of knowledge. So, this. There's a there was a, another expression that Farah Sahabi used. I think around the same time that he mentioned what I mentioned earlier about you know overloading your brain. I think he'll do these Q and A's sometime. I don't know if it's on YouTube or social media. I don't know if they're live or not, but he'll kind of do Q and A's and answer questions. And I think these 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 two things he said were maybe in response to two questions or similar questions, but he used the word recipes and I thought it was extremely appropriate. And he said, when I do jujitsu, I have these recipes that work and I'll do them again and again and again. And over time I'll get bored. So then I'll start exploring other recipes or trying to cultivate other recipes. But it really hit home for me because I'm thinking as you get better, that's your A game, that recipe of, you know, and, and I'll just go through something. Like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll pull half guard. I'll put in my butterfly hook. I'll go to single leg X. I'll get the foot on my shoulder. I'll stand up, sweep them, pass the side, mount, cross choke. And I've done that sequence a bunch of times. And I know anybody who's grappled for more than a year can identify like a chain of moves that they'll do repeatedly, whether they consciously think about it or not, when they roll, especially it's just something they're, rolling they're comfortable with, the same with people all the time, especially rolling yeah. with the same people, right? Where now, now you have, you know, patterns that are the same and they're going to generate similar patterns. But the fact that you use recipe made perfect sense. Like they are, it's almost a nice way of saying a solution. You know what I mean? These are, multiple solutions, but in this case, it's it's creating a meal, a recipe. These are different recipes. You can say algorithms, but I think recipe is, is a real appropriate word. And I think that's something that any higher-belt experienced grappler is going to be wrestling with, no pun intended, and that's this idea of if I'm good at something, it'll probably work a lot of times, but do I want to keep honing that recipe or do I want to keep exploring other things you know and and broadening and I think that's something you obviously have an opportunity to do I also find it interesting that I feel like when a guy like Zach's there I don't even think you've ever I I don't think I've seen you roll with Zach I feel like you always get paired off with oh go with that blue belt there or go with that that new white belt over there and then Zach goes with you know a hungry purple belt or something you know
1: not to say that Zach hasn't, you know, worked a full day and been up for, and had weird hours and stuff, too, but he also doesn't have to go home to a kid, you know, like, and just other responsibilities. So he, he knows where everybody, or rather, he has a good idea of where everybody's energy level is for that day, too, you know, and he's respectful of that, which I appreciate. So I, th- I think that's more, but I, I will say I've rolled more with Zach, let's say, B.C. than A- A.D. Right in
0: your hungry
1: days. Yeah, I mean that's that can be said for when I was doing nogi and muay thai and jiu jitsu all in the same. Yeah, I mean so that's what that's how I'm more familiar with Zach's game than that's how I become familiar with Zach's game rather. So, but yeah, it's it, it's it's hard to and and that's where I've kind of said too. Like it's always very refreshing. To just sit back and just take class and try to improve whatever it
0: is that I'm working on,
1: or or we're we're all working on as a group, you know.
0: So that's why. Yeah, I think you should try to do that when you come back. Would try to work on just something just in particular. Be, just be a student, I, you I know. Would not mind and and not assume the the instructor assistant instructor role. Yeah, but it's you also know? you know it's such as life though. Right. And if I can help. If out. it's something you enjoy doing, by all means. But if you're like, I'm kind of in the mood to just, you know, work some top guard stuff with some decent guard players, then go do that. Yeah. And I will, you
1: know, and I trust me, I'll be coming back a noob. I mean, like, I've been gone away at this point for how many months since. But you've been training. I mean, I've been. You've been lifting. I've I'm not, I'm not been training. This is just training and working out, right? Training is. Doing
0: something. With I'm using the training for strength and conditioning. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, the training is... I've been staying in shape. Not skill development technique, like jujitsu right, skill right. development, I'm talking Yeah, I
1: mean, I've, I've been staying in shape, if anything.
0: So. Yeah, you're going to come in with traps up to your ears, man. I'm scared. No, nah,
1: not exactly. I mean, I've been...
0: <laughs>
1: there's a little bit of a setback in well, there, right? The... Uh, well... <laughs> the... I, I, I definitely won't, I probably won't gas as other people will likely gas if they've been away off the bats as long as I have been, so you know, my, my timing will definitely be off, that's the first thing to go, you know, the my skill set I'll probably have devolved back to like Purple Belt Chris again Um, and I'll be really caught off guard by what everybody else has been working on and I haven't been able to become familiar with so that's that's sort of the the mo of the the guy who's coming back after a
0: layoff, right? Yeah, you'll be like, damn, everyone's been practicing, this dude. That happened to me today. Everyone, all these, all these, uh, well, white belts really were going for footlocks on me, <laughs> and I was like, who? When did this happen? And good old Gabriel, man, spilled the beans. He's like, well, one day. Eric had to teach class. And I was like, Aha. Oh I knew it. So they were exploding in the <laughs> footlocks, is what you're saying? No, actually to be fair, they were attacking him from actual leg entanglement positions. But it was just they were uh they were exposing themselves to either a back take or getting smashed because I don't think they entirely understood the control points of the position, <clears throat> nor should they yeah, after one 30, class, exactly. you know, but it's just funny to see white belts falling back and wrapping their legs around your foot or around your legs and then grabbing your foot. And I'm like, wait a minute. What did I miss? <laughs> 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 was that so yeah. that, that was amusing, <laughs> but I should have, uh, you know, I I have no complaints cuz shit I'm the one that teaches a lot of this stuff half the time, you know. If I have an opportunity, it's usually, hey, teach teach a leg entanglement stuff. And I'm like, "Okay." So, I'm probably contributing to it as much as anybody. But it's fine. I'm I'm cool with it. But like I said, it's a little jarring when it's like somebody drastically changes the way they roll from one week to another. And you're like, "Hmm. What happened?" But there?
1: so that just goes to show then. At least they're trying techniques they've just learned. Exactly, that's, that's, and that—that that is all you can ask for, right? Right. As long as as long as they're trying it, they don't have to. Like you said, they don't have to implement it in their game, and and make it a big part of their their system and and their a game. As long as they're trying it, and they figure out through experimentation whether they like it or not. What does it fit to my body type? Does it fit to my personality? Does it fit to? You know, just the the positions I encounter a lot, and my my sort of funnels right now. What more can you ask for? That's good. Even even white belts doing that, like, and they're probably approaching it with the best beginners mindset because they are beginners, right? Like, how how insulting is it to see higher belts sit there and just go through the motions of whatever it is we're learning in curriculum? And then when it comes time to roll and drill and whatever the case is, they just ignore everything that we just worked on for the past 30 minutes and just do whatever it is they normally do. Right? Like that's, as an instructor, I would be insulted by that
0: because at least try, you know? So
1: that's, that's, what well,
0: that, that I think is also where situational sparring comes in and I think the head instructor can funnel people. Yeah, if you lay out the, how they direct class. Yeah. There's free sparring. Yeah, that's randori basically, and then there's situational there's, sparring yeah. with progressive progressive resistance or something like that, you know, or very specific rules, or gamified. All the stuff we've, Talked we about. Always we always come back to talking about for, for yeah
1: for actual proper skill development and enriching yourself as a jiu-jitsu practitioner.
0: Yeah, absolutely,
1: so absolutely. I, I'm I will, I definitely. I'm sticking to my my goals for 2020 of playing top more and perhaps trying takedowns more. So that's been it was a little sidelined, obviously, with you know the coming of the covids in March that sidelined sure. everybody. So, but that's still top of mind for me, at least, you know.
0: So well, I mean, roll with me, man. I'll pull a half in due card, time or at yeah. least. That's what will happen right now. Maybe I'll be pulling lapel guard, <laughs> soon, but I'll be pulling a guard, so you'll have plenty of opportunity to smash. All right, yeah. dude. We've got an hour and a half, a solid hour and a half. Yeah, man. And
1: I think you uh, – I appreciate much, you staying up. How many up. royalties are you getting from Keenan? What
0: percentage? I, you know, there is an affiliate program. I have not signed up for it, but once I do, maybe I – well, I don't know if I would, but if I do – then maybe I will start espousing PJJ the virtues. And Bruce of
1: twenty. Put it in your coupon
0: code for. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, Keenan, if you're listening, get that percentage. Keenan, if you're listening, you got me. You're a good marketer. I'm sure Lloyd Orvin had. It's a fair beyond amount to just
1: play the marketing, that. though. I mean, like I'm sure he actually puts out a good product. Because anytime I've heard him describe. Even something as simple as the placement of rooms at his gym, everything seems to be pretty well thought out.
0: Dude, he purchased a 3D printer. To do what? And has a 3D printer at his gym. To make what? Masks? Well, the first thing he made was a cell phone holder for his Tesla, so go figure. (laughs) But I don't know, man. I'll give the guy I'll I'll give the guy credit. He he's an innovator. Whether the stuff makes sense to me all the time, that's a secondary topic. But the guy tries. Yeah, oh yeah. You know what I, mean? I mean
1: he's he's definitely
0: And he's a charismatic personality too. Yeah, he, he's for definitely sure.
1: like But but charisma
0: that's not off putting. He seems to be nor is it. Nor is it like. Look at me. I'm God. Exactly. It. It's very you know? humble and also very. Um,
1: what's the opposite of off-putting? I guess
0: <laughs> appealing, appealing,
1: inviting. He's he's extremely humble. I, I I really enjoy listening to him speak about even matters that I'm not sure he's an expert on but he seems to have well thought out opinions about things. So, but he's good at what he does.
0: Yeah, man. I definitely do want to visit that his gym at some point, whenever that is and drop in and do one of his open mats maybe, and just see that environment. But that's, that's where That's in the future when everybody is traveling and jujitsu is free to be performed everywhere, and people will accept outsiders. And we'll do a little COVID jiu-jitsu
1: field trip, and I can be in your pod.
0: We there we go. Both, you know, we'll we'll take all the earnings we get from this podcast and invest it in a in a BJJ and Bruce trip, a
1: BJJ Bruce private plane. I heard.
0: Oh yeah, private plane. We'll take all the recording equipment, record on location. It's going to be the whole shebang. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll get there. <laughs> well, listen, Chris, it's been a pleasure. I know you're getting a little sleepy. You got to wake up early. So I appreciate yeah. the time as always. I enjoyed our conversation. I, I appreciate you being the yin for my yang or vice versa. I definitely I was way less I'm angry
1: being. about certain things than you were today, which is typically, it's atypical
0: well, actually. You, so. No, you have the wisdom and the experience and I'm, <laughs> I'm reacting I'm reacting yeah, like a like a you young are respa- you are respond. reacting. I am yeah.
1: responding.
0: Right? Exactly. I'm I'm a I'm a disrespectful, gringo. Lower belt. <laughs> just shut up and train. So it, I don't know why that well sounded like out, a Russian. So. Well, <laughs> see. by the way, did you see Danaher uh, imitating Bernardo Faria? No, I'd actually. I'll send you. That. It's like a it's like a 10-second clip, but he's like, guys, huge honor for me, with my friend Bernardo Faria. Somebody who <laughs> has me.
1: a New Zealand <laughs> <laughs> accent trying to do yeah. somebody who.
0: He got the na- he got the nasally Portuguese accent though. He's like, he got that going. <laughs> it was good. I'll give him credit. I'll send it to you. Anyway, Chris. Um, until next time, man. Yeah. We'll chat. All right.